Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. In a year where many of us are struggling with loss and finding meaning, there are heroes among us. Of course, healthcare workers, those fighting for equality, and people doing little things that make someone else's day a little brighter. When writer and puppeteer Leslie Carrara-Rudolph realized her childhood hero, Carol Burnett, was a superhero for her ability to spread joy, Leslie made it her mission to do the same. Today, she talks with me about creating Abby Cadabby for Sesame Street, her work against racism and bullying, and growing up as a kid who saw every moment as an opportunity to tell a story. Well, I got hired to speak at Google. Um, well, I was shocked. And someone came to my cabaret <laughs> and they said, we want you to talk about messy thinking. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of messy. I'm very messy, you know, so that people think things have to be a certain way. Okay, are we starting? Let's get started. I guess so. Leslie, welcome to Hearthside Salon. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start by talking about just your origin story. Where did where did you grow up? What was your family like? Ah, well, I grew up in um, Northern California in a town oh. called Pleasant Hill, Walnut Creek area. It's just about, I'd say about 45 minutes from San Francisco and then like an hour from the mountains. Like where mm. we grew up, it was so beautiful. You could drive an hour and be at the ocean or you know in the mountains and the desert and the wine country is just beautiful and um I four kids I was a surprise not an accident <laughs> <laughs> and um so I was I was kind of an incoming my mom said <laughs> blurted out like you know <laughs> you are you were a force of nature you know <laughs> so um yeah, so I, and then my grandparents lived with us for a good amount of time of that. So we were an intergenerational family Lovely. and I spent a lot of time in the backyard because I was the youngest and I tell people I have ADHD TNT, which is explosive attention deficit <laughs> disorder because I'm so hyper. So my, um, luckily for us, we had, um, Pleasant Hill has a larger park and recreation department they um, parks and rec own more land than the city. So there was all these incredible after school programs and parks and rec, which my parents enrolled me in every single one oh of those. So I was always, you know, like uh, my dad always made a playhouse in the backyard, you know, to make sure that I was, <laughs> I was kind of like a Jack Russell Terrier where they just like, let her run. In <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you came from a really, like imagination forward family then. Yeah. My, my dad, um, originally my, my, most of my family, um, was born and grew up in Tacoma, Washington. And then my dad, um, had a series of jobs and he had an accident and, um, he realized he couldn't do what he was set out to do. You know, he even owned a, you know, worked in an Italian restaurant and owned a restaurant. And so he'd always wanted to be an animator for Disney. That oh. was his dream. And so late in life, he decided I'm going to go back to school. And he, they came to California. He went to CalArts 
And so my, my pop was in school, which is why my grandpa and grandma came and lived with us. And my mom was working and um, my dad actually graduated while my brothers and sisters were in high school and my, my brother's band played at his graduation. So for him to be in his thirties back in the day, reinventing himself. Yeah. And then he, he realized that he, he became an art teacher. Like the animation wasn't, he was going to have to be like a pen and ink artist. And, you know, and he's like, you know, I just really want to do art. And so he became an art teacher and um, it was amazing. So he, um, we had art students all the time. He cut his students hair in our, in our garage. There was murals. He would let his students paint our Volkswagen bug at the end of the year. He would let them paint it. And so for all of summer, we had this fabulous art painted bug. Super cool. Oh my God, that's amazing. So I'm guessing then they were supportive when you were like, guess what I want to do, mom and dad? I just, you know, it's so weird because I just started, like, I would paint everything. I would draw in my shoes. I mean, even now I'm wearing, I'm wearing reindeer boots. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's because they, um, like the park and recs, we had a really strong um, theater program. So I think my first um, theater experience was when I was 16 um, a summer theater program. And then from that, um, I auditioned to be in a, um, a, um, company called fantasy form actors ensemble. And I was with that them for like 13 to 16 years. And we did musical fairy tales, um, with partially improvised for young audiences. And I think, you know, I started cartooning at a young age, I would create characters And then because my dad was into animation and stuff, I was like, what does this guy talk like? Or maybe I'm, you know, and I would become the characters. And I um, also, because we all sat down as a family, three generations, and I feel like we were all storytellers. My grandpa was a storyteller. My brother rebuilt a 1936 Ford Model A in the garage. And there was always people so and we always had people at our house and they were always telling stories and um we sat down and I remember watching Carol Burnett and she's why I do what I do I remember sitting down and um and this is this is an important part of my story and it's something that um has um defined me you know my character but I had all the skills. And when I talk to kids, I always was driven by the Wizard of Oz. And I say, we have an Oz in you. And I have a little tour that I do to schools where I talk about um, storytelling and you find, um, you know, how I identified with the Wizard of Oz, you know, because there's a character that has courage and wisdom and heart and home, which is our truth. You know, the truth shall set you free. Home is where your heart is. Toto is authenticity. You know, people who guide you. And um, so I was obsessed with The Wizard of Oz growing up. I had, my parents gave me a red wig um, (laughs) when I was little and I braided it and wore it to kindergarten. And the teacher called my folks and said, is your daughter having, is she having surgery? Is she having medication? They thought I was like having you know, like, no, we just thought that that was acceptable compared to the way she wants to dress. <laughs> but I was so, yes, yeah, so I had all these creative skills, but then um, my brother, uh, my oldest brother, I had two, two brothers and a sister, but my one brother uh, rode his motorcycle to heaven when he was 20. He got in an accident and 
that's where I say that's where the tornado blew through my home. Yeah. Changed the environment. And I realized that everything I had no control over yeah. what everybody was going through. And but I did have control over the worlds I created. And I became kind of like an escape artist um, that I would escape into the worlds I created. Um, theater became a big part because I knew I knew for on stage how things were going to end. You know, I knew what my part was. I knew the beginning and I had a sense of control and I really jumped into characters that way. So I feel like I've been driven by that. And when we were watching um, Carol Burnett, seeing a female comedian yeah. and her guest and ever dress up, be these crazy characters. I, and I remember sitting down the most, um, it was right after my, my brother um, uh, was gone. I, we would sit down with my grandpa and grandma and I was still at home and my mom and dad. And for that hour, there was joy. Yeah. You know, everybody forgot and they laughed. And I remember thinking that she was a superhero and that mm. I wanted to be her and that I was going to help people um, heal through joy. And I just thought that's my mission, spread joy. And I would write it on the back of my shoes because I wanted to walk my talk. I huh. used to say, you know, I, from 16 on, I, um, started working. I painted windows for holiday windows. Oh, and yeah. um, I did, you know, I did a lot of after school programs. I became working in the parks and recs, but then I started doing birthday parties and doing all these things. So I feel like all those things that I had growing up definitely had an influence on wow. my journey. Wow. That's a lot, right? <laughs> I think Carol Burnett is a superhero. I love that. Yeah. And we just, you know, and then we just lost the, the great, you know, Cloris Leachman and Madeline Kahn. And, you know, I remember gravitated to these incredibly strong, funny, fearless women. Yeah. And it was really great to see, you know, in real time. Yeah. So. I was just, was, I was just watching uh, drag race this week and one, ah. of, one of the Queens came out as Carol Burnett's um, curtains with the yeah. thing and and it was so, and I was just like, thank God the, this younger generation is still getting that comedy and referencing it. And like, it was the most joyful costume. It was so lovely. I actually made that went with the whim out of pipe cleaners and gave ah. it to Carol Burnett. She was on a, she was on a show. It was Julie's green room. Um, Julie Andrews had a, um, a, a children's show and Carol Burnett was going to be on and people knew how I felt about Carol Burnett. And I was like, I, I, I got so emotional. I was like shaking and I'm like, I want to give her something. And so I do these pipe cleaner sculptures and I made this Carol Burnett, you know, pipe cleaner sculpture of her in that outfit. And I got to give it to her oh my God. and tell her what she meant to me. And I, I was like, I was dehydrated because I was oh. like, I, I was shaking. I didn't want to leave the set because I didn't want to miss anything that she did. Um, I ended up puppeteering a duck. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank goodness. I was a duck. I had a reason to be a stalker and stare at her. <laughs> but, um, and she told me, you know, I told her about how that story I just told you, yeah. how she 
um, was a beacon of light for me. And yeah. she said that she used to cartoon her characters first too. Oh, amazing. That, yeah. That she would draw her characters out first. And, you know, so mm -hmm. she was, she was everything you want her to be and more. Yay. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to talk about characters because you, ever since I met you, you just, you drop into different voices. You do <laughs> like at the drop of a hat, you have all this stuff just kind of there at your fingertips. So like when you create a character, what comes first? Like, is it the voice? Is it what you want to say with the character or like, how do you do that? I know it's kind of like the chicken came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. And I used to say that, but they're both the same form of creation, right? Like you, the egg is like the birth of an idea, right? And it, it needs a vehicle to live. And for me, it's, it's different. Like sometimes, sometimes, at least on Sesame Street, sometimes they'll, they, we have these things called AMs, which means anything Muppet. And we'll get assigned like, okay, you're going to be, um, just grab, we're going to be a bunch of kids in this, or you're going to be this character. Well, if there is a, for Sesame Street, these are like quick one-offs. Right. Um, usually I think of it as a symphony, right? Because we have all these different, like if, 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 um, let me see, like, okay, let's say it's a bunch of old ladies. Well, someone is doing this real, oh, oh, dark. Then I might do a little bit higher or maybe I'll, or maybe I'll do this character, you know? <laughs> and so I balance like, so sometimes if it's a quick one-off and you are trying to fill a symphony, you don't, everybody doesn't want to play the same note. Right. So I think- harmonics. Right, right. And then, so, so in that case, sometimes the character does exist it, in a puppet form or, you know, or if you um, get animation and you get a drawing and they'll give you a background, then you will think of it voice-wise, you know, but it's just a voice. And for me, it's like, it's like the difference between listening to someone sing who has a beautiful voice and like, oh, they have a lovely voice. But then there's people that are compelling because you could, they are, have something to say. So for me, um, I, if I create a character, I always have to have the heartbeat. So yes. I give everything a mission statement. And I think that comes when I went to San Francisco State, I designed my major child development through the arts and you have to justify everything. And then when I do, um, it was therapeutic recreation, theater arts and child development, child psychology. Well, in therapeutic recreation, you look at a population and you have to write what your goal is, what your mission statement is and how you're going to reach these kids, you know? And um, so I think like if I'm, creating a character. Um, and it's also too psychology. If you have three in a scene, you have the adult, you have the parent and you have the child, right? So those are like the psychology plays into it. Like what, mm. where am I? Am I, am I the, I'm going to be the adult. Oh no, I'm going to be the parent. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm like, I'm going to be the adult. We're all going to, you know, balance things. So sometimes the psychology drives the character and, um, and if you're like in the Wizard of Oz, like that's why I always say it's such a good example um, of how all those characters play together. So if I'm writing a cabaret, um, every, even every story and every song has a mission statement. Why is that in there? 
Because otherwise I don't have a reason to do it. Yeah. Some characters are just stupid. Like I have this one character named Polar Doodle. I'm just cute. It's the stupid. Yeah, I have them right here. I love so, Polar Doodle. Oh my gosh. This is silly. I'm just putting it on. Hi there. I'm a Polar Doodle. I'm so cute. I'm so cute. I'm not cute. I'm Polar Doodle. And I <laughs> And I, I had that in my show. I wrote a show called Wake Up Your Weird, where one of my characters, um, it deals with um, uh, one of my characters, Lolly, gets bullied at a play date. And it's basically a show that gives kids the tools they need to um, know how to stand up for themselves and find their truth and be able to express themselves through art. So I know that's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot there. So I think if you, if a character's already formed and you're looking at it and if it, from a puppeteer's point of view and you see the look of it and there might be, there might be some sort of thing, maybe the mouth is really, you know, you know, so you play along with the palette. Um, but in writing, I think, um, or creating anything, um, especially if I'm going to go out into the world and create something, I have an acronym I use and it's called heart, heart skills. So I, H is for humanity, E is for education, A is for art form, um, R is for um, resources and T is for truth. So if I'm, if I'm gonna bring something, if I'm gonna do something, I'm like, what's the humanity I'm trying to mm. um, shine a light on? Um, okay, well, I got to educate myself around that humanity. What art form is going to best serve it? Is it going to be storytelling? Is it going to be a float? Is it going to be a video? You know, um, what are my resources? Well, maybe you don't have anything, you know, or maybe, um, well, most things when you do service learning, nobody has any resources, you don't have money. So who are the people that I can pull in to help or how am I going to get this message across? And what's the truth? So I know that's a lot in no, one. No, but it's, it's wonderful um, because we want to be creating things with purpose and not just, just sort of because. And I think yeah. with, with things that are geared towards younger audiences, some of them might feel like, oh, that just was off the cuff. But in truth, it, there's so much thought and development that goes into why. Yeah, so. I, I was watching, someone asked me, like, could you take a look at this, you know, what I'm doing? It was a, a puppet thing and it, you know, it was a basic exercise, you know, where you come in, you say hello and you leave. And I like, where's your relationship? And I think every moment is an opportunity to tell a story. And it's not just like, if you're on stage by yourself, it's your relationship in the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you feel? How do you feel about being there? Are you excited? Were you early? Were you late? Are you waiting for someone? So all that energy is inside of us. And I think that it's the difference between just putting on a funny voice and then relaying how you're feeling. And um, like you can have a relationship with by yourself, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and checking like in. What we talk about, yeah, what we talk about in, in our writing stuff where it's like, what's the goo? What's the goal, obstacle and outcome? I know, which drives me crazy because I can't find goo in one of my scenes. I had to ask Jamie to help me. I'm like, I can't find any goo. <laughs> she goes, well, what's going on? What's going on in that moment? Yeah, it's so like, interesting. Oh. It's so similar. So what was the, 
what was the impetus or the the mission statement for Abby Kadabi? Oh, well, that was um, that was interesting because um, Abby Kadabi was created by um, the Children's Television Workshop, CTW, I call it, but Sesame Workshop, because um, it was during a time when Mean Girls was kind of happening, not Mean Girls, but, you know, there was a lot of not support and they wanted to have a female character on, on there. And they also wanted to have, um, they decided it was a fairy because it, it was, she could represent a culture, but not be specific because she was coming from a different world and everything could be a new experience because she experienced the world differently. And they wanted to have a female character that could come up against challenges, but have a positive attitude and look at it as a form of resilience or like, well, that's kind of the, you know. A, a possibility. So I got very little. They they sent. They had auditions all over the country, and they sent us um, three scenes. I think it was three scenes, a song, and um, and then they just gave us an AM and anything Muppet. Mm. So I didn't even know what she looked like. Oh gosh! And so I had to reach into my fairy world, which is easy because <laughs> I've always had a fairy garden my whole life. My very first puppet was a Snapdragon. That my grandpa told me, he goes, did you know that this is, you know, that you can puppeteer a Snapdragon? So that was like, wow, what else can we make out here? So um, I read the sides and then I thought, you know, my first thought was that what if she was just like, please, totally dark, you know, lisp and glasses, you know, just messy. And then, of course, um, Charlie and Lola was out. I don't know if you know that. But I thought, oh, it's really cute. I thought, we really cute. Um, a fairy from England. No accents. And then, I don't know. Abby was kind of, she's kind of like Gracie Allen meets Daffy Duck. You know, <laughs> and, and my um, goddaughter, I was on the phone with her. And she's like, Auntie Les, you are a fairy no matter what whether you get this or not you're a fairy and (laughs) I was listening to her cadence and I was like that's Abby like I just you know and so when I went to the audition um and and I I did my homework you know I was like what are fairies like what do they feel and then I thought and I also thought of all the characters on Sesame Street and how would she feel about all these people and so I did my homework and I showed up and Fran Brill was there as Zoe and, um, and um, Sonia Manzana as Maria. So I'm completely starstruck. And then they gave me Abby and she, I just put her on. She didn't even have one of her arms. It was foam. Oh. And it was just like, Meh. we did a scene. And then it was just Zoe and Abby improving. I would say about... of my audition was improv and and Fran and I, we connected because, you know, and we just were two little kids. So I, I think I just love characters so much. I love homework and I love studying those things. And I also know when I'm not being authentic Mm. and um, it's a pain sometimes because I just want to, can I just do that? And it just never feels right when you try to push, push an agenda somewhere. And I'm like, no, it's not going to work. My character wouldn't say that. Sorry. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what does it feel like to then not just get the job on Sesame, but like during the Macy's day parade, there's a balloon of you 
I mean, your characters, I like that. Who gets that? Honestly, I feel like my journey, like a lot of, um, there's a lot of podcasts about, you know, for puppeteers and they talk about, I went to, you know, Center for Puppetry Arts. I made a puppet. You know, my puppets were all things that I had at home. Literally, they were socks. I love that Lolly's a sock. I always say if Madam and Lamb Chop had a baby, it would be Lolly. Yes. My puppets were made out of slippers. And, you know, I didn't even know, it didn't even occur to me, one, you could be a puppeteer. And two, I just did things, you know. And my degree, like I said, my I knew that when I went to San Francisco State, I, I had a, I have a reading, I have mild dyslexia. And, um, and at that time, if you wanted to be in theater, you had to be an English teacher. I'm like, this is not going to happen. I can't read. Like I'm, it's a miracle that, I mean, my reading, I read now, you know, but it's not very good. Like I, in I, high school, I was just like, I struggled in college. I, it took me so long to understand because I get confused and words crash. Yeah. Um, so what I thought was like, but I do know that I can reach, I know that characters can make a difference and can reach in yeah. ways that we don't understand. And I'd worked so much with kids on the spectrum and, you know, kids that were in foster homes, I've witnessed that um, I my arm has been soul hugged by kids that believe in you. So, um, and I've done, I've done, I've worked at after school programs since I was 16. So when Sesame Street happened, and when I, when I was young watching Sesame Street, it was the characters that grabbed me. Yes. And I, and gravitated because I, my world has always been like, crazy in there and when I saw Sesame Street I'm like that's what it looks like in my head (laughs) I I need to live there you know and when it happened I can't it's a dream come true yeah I would imagine can you hear Paul tuning all of our characters for he's uh, my husband works on Sesame Street as a vocal musical director we met on Muppets tonight and um, right now he's tuning all of our characters because um, you can imagine if you're a vocal musical director and you have somebody like Telly and Cookie Monster and Abby and trying to make us sound good. <laughs> oh God, that's amazing. So I wanted to ask you, because you'd mentioned about um, Lolly's origins and the Ojai Playwright Conference that you went to. Will you talk about Yes. That? Oh my God. Okay. So, um, oh my God. That was terrifying. <laughs> um, it was terrifying because like I, when you, the good thing about having a mission statement is that it's all, it's, it's all about the heart. Like I'm constantly like trying to kill the ego, like get out of my way. You're like just dragging me down, you know? So once you have your intention, you just create and do things. So I do a lot of work. And um, what happened was, is that in Los Angeles at, um, they used to have uh, a poetry slam at the theater across from, on Fairfax, across from the music box theater, I think. And they started having a thing called um, the actor's lounge. And so kind of like a poetry slam, they would have actors that were just trying to keep their chops done or people that wanted to get their scenes written and seen and performed in front of people. It was kind of like an actor's workout. And I had written a piece for Lolly, which I do um, in my uh, cabaret, but I had written a piece 
about um, Lolly um, having kind of a breakdown because she doesn't want to go into the hospitals and talk to kids because she it, she feels like she feels like um, and it was me too. It was like. I don't know if I'm doing any good. I wish I had the power to make a difference and I don't. And it was kind of based on my first interaction with having to report some child abuse. And, oh. it, and it was heartbreaking because I was like, I'm never going to see that child again. Did I do the right thing? What I'm going to do. And I always carry that child with me. And, and so I couldn't let go of it. And so I thought, well, let me just write this lolly and sing the song believe. So we do this piece and it's Lolly and I can get her out right now if it's if that's okay. Yeah. Is that too weird? I don't know. It's um, perfect. Anyway. Hi. Hi, hi. Oh, hi, Lolly. Hi, hi, Anyway, so we're we're talking and Lolly's like, I don't know. I just it's a very deep piece and it's very hard for me to. It's hard for I can't do this right now. Okay, it's all right. So we did our piece and Lolly was like, how's that? I'm good, right? Okay, stop it. So <laughs> we did this piece and the people in the actor's lounge had never seen something like that. And so they asked me and Lolly to be on the board, like to be part of it. And then people are like, can I do the same with Lolly? I mean, Lolly did Agnes of God with Josh Gad's wife. <laughs> they did. And Lolly was like, Stigma! it was crazy. Oh and she did dirty dancing a scene and stuff. It was like, and then also a scene from Avatar where I put up like a blue thing over her. It was so stupid. Anyway, somebody said, you know what? You need to write a show. And then one of those people that was part of that group went to the Ojai Playwright Conference and they said, I know this person that needs a shot. And you've never had family shows there, but I think, I think you should have this person she's a puppeteer and so I had to submit and my friend um Michelle who's like directing me she goes yeah I'll do it I've always wanted to go to that and we went there and it was terrifying because we had Stephen Adley Gergis who is with the um at the, he was like the artistic director of the public theater they had, he wrote that mother effort with a hat. That's what he was working on. Lisa Crone and Janine Tesori were there just kind of working out their, which won a Broadway, uh, a Tony award. I can't think of it now, but it was based on a, 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 a lesbian comic book artist. Okay. Oh gosh. It'll come oh, to me. Um, I know who you mean. Uh, yeah. Alison Bechtel. And you know, all these heavy hitter playwrights and there I was and, and, Michelle came to me, she goes, this is going to be a nightmare. And I was like, yeah. So I had to pitch, everybody comes on the first day and they tell them what their story was. And mine was about Lolly being, you know, having to fight for her, her truth through the arts and with, through these characters and there's going to be shadows and stuff. And um, instead of this, I got this. And people sitting back bored, you got people on the edge of their seats. They're like, well, Lolly needs a thrill. She needs to have a, uh, she needs a hero song. To, you know, Janine starts like, you need to do in a minor. She needs a different, you know, lower key. Like they jumped on board and, um, and you know, you were talking about, we were talking about permission to fail. Yeah. Right? When we, before people came on and doing it afraid and just, and I also learned there just to get rid of things because they assigned me a dramaturg 
dramaturg turg yeah. dramaturg you know that's really Some hard to say it's really hard to say and um and that was basically an accountability person and making sure that you had a you had a strong spine in order to support all the crazy things you were going to spring out of it and what you were going to let go and stuff and we ended up doing this show and people felt joy like my I was like oh you know maybe there's something here so that was terrifying though but I learned so much and so was that was Lolly before or after Abby Lolly's before she's a little bitter about it yeah she's not she's there there's been some anger management classes she's need to take because this is actually I figured out that this is Lolly's 20th year I've had Lolly for 20 years and sometimes that's exciting but sometimes my god yeah maybe she should be further you know maybe if I did social media better but you know what I I just, I, I have a love-hate relationship with that, you know, and, and now in your class, I've just, you know, I never had the courage, my, my writing partner for my um, cabaret shows and my, um, our radio show, we were looking for someplace to go, and she said, well, why don't we take this class? Liz Hara recommended it, and it was really great, and I love Liz. I'm a fan. I just love Liz. I love her she's, I just, you know, how you meet someone you instantly connect, you know, through the heart and authenticity is really hard to find. And you just really need to hang on to those people that know your truth and your journey and your history. And so I'm like, I'm going to take this class. And, and I remember writing you, I'm like, I could flesh out this really fun story where I get bit by a weredoodle and I become a, you know, um, Moonlight Madness and flesh that out. Or I could have this weird origin story kind of Pinocchio thing that I have, I don't know what it is. And you're like, do that. And I'm like, so, so now I feel like I'm literally on a sleigh ride and whatever's happening up here, I'm just holding on for dear life. Like, I don't know where this story's taking me. Ah, this is not where I thought it was going to take me, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of exciting. And, you know, it's nice to give Lolly an origin story and, um, you know, whether or not this goes anywhere, at least that I know this journey. And it's really a love letter to my mom because yeah. the, the show wake up your weird was a love letter to my dad about how he passed on. He gave me all the artistic tools oh, yeah. to arm me in life and the artistic skills to help um, kids um, n- know how to be creative and, and balance the narrative of their life through the arts. But my mom is the queen of kindness and she's always been the most loving, you know, she, you know, that I talk about loss where I lost my brother and my uncle and my grandpa in like three years. I also lost my boyfriend. I have a lot of loss. Um, mm-hmm. But my mom lost her her son, her dad, and her brother. And she is still like, it was hard, obviously, but she she's like always half full, always full of love, always full of kindness, always trying to find, you know, and I just think she's amazing. So, you know, 
a lot of people in this world get adoration because they are in the public eye, but there's heroes that live among us every day that may not be on film or TV or left their mark somewhere, but they leave your mark on your heart. And so I look at Lolly and I'm like, yes, you're of the theater. When am I going to get my show? You're just going to be of the theater till. Well, and what I wrote when we were speaking earlier, I wrote down, you know, Lolly being about helping kids and about holding on to joy when you get lost in the real world. Yes. I just think that's so special. And, you know, I started, um, I'm kind of going back and forth. Like I haven't really got to the end of the song, but I was, um, I I was starting Lolly's song right before this because I was like, Lolly. And I had to, it's, it's the part in the story where Lolly, you know, she's come alive, but she's, you know, she's, she's in the thrift store and she's seeing things for the first time and she doesn't know why she's here. I don't know what I don't know. So I got to know what, so I, so I don't know what I don't know. I got to know what I don't know so I can know what I can know. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am here and I can hear, but I have no ears. So that's weird. You know, so she's <laughs> feeling like I'm here for a reason. And I think that's one of the things that Lolly's going to discover, like, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here because somebody wished me here. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, I don't know where I, I know I got my start because I'm someone's work of art. Oh. And, and I thought, yeah, you know, she has courage to do things that I don't do. I would have never done my first cabaret if Lolly didn't feel like I need to, I need an outlet. I'm sick of being backseat to Abby Cadabby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love that. And I know when you when you first busted out the song that you wrote for Doris, her introduction song, I was crying. Like it's so moving. And just like, oh my God, this is gonna be a, a tearjerker movie, but like in a joyful, such a joyful way. Yeah, I don't know. I go, I think every writer goes to like, I really hated it. And then Jamie's like, it's don't put the pressure you're putting on this. It's not mm. like, you know, it's not like somebody commissioned me for this. Right. This is due in 15 hours. <laughs> well, and you, you spoke about um, getting a soul hug on your arm. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about what happens with people when they see, because it's like the, the puppet is totally separate from you as a human in, in that moment for people. And like, what's that like? You know, it's, it's really interesting because we have people that visit us on Sesame street. Um, we, you know, we have a lot of make a wish kids. Um, we, I take, um, before COVID, I would take Abby into hospitals. Um, uh, you know, and what I think what it is, is that there's like this permission slip that longs to collaborate with our spirits. Mm-hmm. And there's a something inside of us that is so magical. Like you have wonder as a child and you see things and light fascinates you and things fascinate you. And I think when a child is just like this, we're completely invisible. Like when I have Abby on, sometimes um, someone will, a kid will just say, I can see you. I can see your puppeteer. <laughs> and, and, you know, Abby will say, that's my flight attendant. I need her. She helps me speak. And the kid goes, oh, okay. And then he goes right into Abby. Oh my God. It's like, 
okay, I acknowledge yes. And now, and it, what amazes me is it's mostly, you know, adults. Like Lolly has more adult followers than kid followers. Absolutely. <laughs> She's, you know, I always, you know, I have a lot of, um, you know, she was born in the, in the basement of a Mexican restaurant <laughs> under a gay bar. And <laughs> so she's like, oh, no. and I, you know, I always say she has two drag mothers and me. Huh. So Miss Coco Peru and um, my auntie Irene, who got her wings recently, who just said, you know, who is this character? I want to see more of her, you know? Well, and- I know the first time you showed her to me, I, it's like, there's this weird compulsion. Like I'm talking to you. And then I feel like I'm supposed to talk to her and not you. And it's like, you kind of just can't help getting caught up in the magic of it. Yeah. I always love when, um, too, when I'm just, you know, a lot of times kids will be sitting on set and then I'll just have Abby, I'll just kind of hang back and I'll have Abby sit next to them and, you know, kid will just like put his arm around her hold her hand or you know just touch her just like you feel my friend Abby yeah and I you know a while back I was thinking what is you know what do I like granny dot to me is hilarious she's like uncensored and she says things I use her to say things I want to say and I can just like (gasps) and be shocked when she comes (laughs) out with it like and he's not control yourself. And it's really just, I think it's a lot of my comedy partners or my friends in heaven going, let's make Leslie do this. Because a lot of times the improv, I'm like, I didn't rehearse this. Neither did. Where's this coming from? And, but Lolly, um, I realized which I go, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, Lolly? And she told me that she just wants to be the best friend you can possibly have. Like she just wants to be the weird, silly, whimsical friend. I will always be there for you. We'll we'll get through this. Let's make something. And I think that gives me, I think that like, that's what I talked about intention and truth. And I think when you do that and you're still and you let that come, um, Chuck McCann was my um, mentor. I called him my uncle Chuck. And he always says, put your heart in your hand, kid. Aww. and um so I think that's true and I think that's what it is I think there's something inside us that wants to play yes I agree and I think what's fascinating is puppetry and character allows you permission to just express things that you would otherwise censor your like Leslie would censor herself but Gr- Granny Dot doesn't have to Lolly doesn't have to Mm-mm. and so it's like this amazing permission of self-expression yeah I just have a note here and I can't remember the um, AIDS benefit with Lily Tomlin. Oh, there was, well, there was two separate things. There was um, my very first um, piece, comic piece (laughs) that I ever did for adults was for a celebration for life AIDS benefit. Okay. That was tough because, you know, we were losing back in the day, we were losing our friends. Like they were melting before our eyes and it was heartbreaking and it was really hitting our community hard and I um we came together as a community and say we're gonna have a celebration for life we're gonna raise money we're gonna do everything we can and and they were saying okay you're gonna be in charge of choreographing and you're gonna be in charge of music and Leslie you're gonna be in charge of comedy 
you're going to come up with something funny. And I'm like, no pressure. Absolutely not. There's nothing funny about that. I, I can't, what, what could I possibly, what could possibly be funny about this? And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like, you're coming up with these characters for kids. Can't you come up with a character that can help us laugh at this? And I'm like, I can't, I can't, there's nothing I can do. And I was, I was scared and I had, I was headed to a Kmart and, um, cause I love Kmart. I'm sorry. You take the girl out of Kmart, but you can't take the Kmart out of a girl. That was such a big deal for our family to go to Kmart. It's like, what? Kmart! So it was the first time in our community, there was a, a woman set out front and she had a table and she had a petition saying, sign these petitions to, 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 to make sure that there's you know, no gay people in our hospitals. Don't let them serve food. Um, their waiters, their sweat could get on our food and we can get it. And I'm like, this was this crazy woman that had all these petitions for all these completely falsehoods. And I'm like, you shouldn't hug them. You're going to get it. And I was like, are you kidding? I said, this is, this is, I was, I, I was outraged. I wanted to get my truck and just like back over the table. I was like, I'm so violent right now. And I'm like, these are a bunch of myths. And I went shopping and I was so mad. And I I started thinking about, and I was looking at things and I was looking at products and I'm like, oh my God, I think this is it. Like, what if I was a character called Myrtle Myth and every myth about AIDS, Myrtle had a product for. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. This is what you need to do to keep the sickies out of your radius. And so I got like a hula hoop and put suspenders on it. Now, this is the, this is called a hula guard. Make sure everybody stays away. And <laughs> I, wore, I wore a wetsuit because it was my body rubber. And I had, you know, a bathing cap with the American flag. Make sure any, none of those sick ideas get inside my ear holes. And this is how you pee in a public place. And I had all these products that I pushed in a shopping cart and, um, and, and I got the audience to say, and this secure, this Myrtle Myth security pack is just $49.95. <laughs> now, how much is this? $49. And I got them to repeat with me. And there was like, we had AIDS patients in the front row. We had like, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, all you have to do, send your money to, say it with me, P.O. Box, now P.O. Box, uh, 555, and they go 555, and then I had the sign that says IMA, and they said IMA, and then, and then the, over the loudspeaker, it said uneducated, insensitive, fool, and it was a blackout, and it was dead silence, and I, was like, oh. and I just wheeled my little erky, erky. and then there was like yeah oh, and gosh. then people are just like and they said yeah because I was like this is angry laugh crying you know yeah. and I'd never I'd never that's when I realized wow and I'd never written like that before it was always quirky stuff yeah. but it was never characters that you laugh punched you know yeah. so so that wow. and and then me I met Lily Tolman Tomlin um she was doing search for signs of intelligent life in the universe. And so I saw that in San Francisco and then I'm a dork. So of course I painted her sweatshirt that had her character on it. And, um, I had a book for her to sign and, um, I waited backstage. Um, I waited back the backstage door and I didn't get to meet her. And then this homeless man, he's like, I know where she comes out if you want to if you want to meet her. And I go, really? Okay. And he goes, she comes out the front and I'm like, all right. So I followed him 
And he goes, I didn't get to see the show. She was going to leave me tickets, but they wouldn't let me in. And I go, oh, well, you can have this book. This book is the show, you know, and, and it's great, you know. And sure enough, she came out and she goes, Pops, what are you doing? Did you see the show? And he goes, I couldn't get in. She's like, come back tomorrow. I'll make sure you get in. He goes, here's this girl. She made something for you because I showed him my sweatshirt. And I was just like, hi, you know, and I just was <laughs> like, hi, yeah. And um, she had a car pick her up. There was two dogs in the car. They were both in sweaters, which I was impressed with. And, um, you know, I just thanked her for her work. And, you know, we touched hands. And I, you know, I, it's a weird thing that's happened to me. If I meet someone or if I'm in the same room or somehow I end up somehow having some, my work has some sort of crossover and I end up doing her show. Ah. Um, I guess, I don't know how many years later when she let it up for people to do her show, I did it in Florida and she sent her publicist or somebody down with a autograph book and a thank you and stuff. So. Oh, lovely. So there's well, that. But like with Carol Burnett, with Lily Tomlin, these are, you know, the people you were moved by them because of what they had done. Yeah. And, and we've spoken earlier about it's planting stuff to make a difference. And they were talking about the seeds that we sow and how it then comes out later. I just wonder if you want to, if you can talk about that at all. And for some, I have a note saying I carry a fish. Oh, I do. I have yeah. it right there. It's, it's, it's right over here. <laughs> Let me just get Gail. His name's Gail. Um, yeah. So yeah, fish. well, um, you know, um, I did, I, when I did Lily Tomlin's show, I was just like, I'm never going to write again because um, Jane Wagner wrote a masterpiece and my stuff is just child's play, is goofy. So I was terrified to write after that. And then um, a very powerful phrase, comparison is the thief of joy, mm, it's you so know? And, you know, and I, I'd done that show. I'd done search for signs. I'd done parallel lives, which is Mo Gaffney and Kathleen to Jimmy's show. And I did that with Paula Pell, who, oh, you know, wow. is on SNL. She's everywhere. Yeah. I can't even believe Paula. Well, we were both working at theme parks in Florida. So, um, and the writing was so challenging and it, it could be terrifying. I was speaking at a, um, a rally for a, a high school. They were having an anti-bullying day. Oh. And they had asked me to speak and I spoke in a, um, and the year before I spoke to some smaller classrooms and then the kids said that they wanted me to do an assembly and they raised money for me to come do an assembly. Well, what they didn't know is I would have done it for free, <laughs> but I was so like, oh my God. And I was terrified because here I was going to be at a high school with all these cool kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was going to pull out a sock puppet. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, is Lolly going to be able to do this? And and then I worked on my speech and what I was going to say. And I was going to share about losing my brother and people don't know your true story and things like that. You might be carrying things around because at that time, a lot of kids and sadly, a lot of kids today, their suicide rate is quite high. There's a lot of depression and all those things going on.
what I'm compelled about, and this is a very important seat that I think is important, is that it doesn't occur to people or kids. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you a powerful tool that you can change the world with. You can change your world and you can change the world around you. And you want to see it? Of course, mm-hmm. this is, has something on it. It's this. It is a pen. It is a pen or a pencil. Like you can write, you know, so, so, so this is what it feels like to match which with someone at level. What the hell is the catch? It's feeling a freedom of feeling, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm a, you know, Hamilton was written with, a, you know, um, drawings, things were created like that. These are worlds and kids don't realize that they have that talent locked inside them because everything's become digital. Everything's becomes what you can access and there's kids and the haves and the have nots keep growing and growing and growing. And so for my seeds, I just want to say you have this creative power that lives inside you and you can access it at any time. You don't have to plug it in. You don't have to charge it. You don't, it's you. So I was working on that. And my, my friend who as uh, she teaches high school speech and I go, I'm, I'm worried they're going to make fun of me. And she's like, you think you have to reach all those kids? You only have to reach one. Oh, you reach one kid, and that you've planted a seed, and that and that's what's important. And there is a young girl that I met at that rally, and she was dealing with a lot of issues and stuff. And now she's um, she's about to graduate from um, an art school, and she's a brilliant artist and. Um, she identifies the way she feels like she wants to identify. And I dedicated one of my cabarets to her. Oh, and so, and um, so it's neat. And I was like, I have that relationship. So if that's like yeah. the one thing. So that's that's what I think you plant seeds, you know. And you're planting seeds in your writing classes. Yeah. I mean, I, I go in there going like, I don't even want to. Oh, I guess I'm okay. I guess that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, my fish. So this is Gil. Um, this actually is a, um, it's insulated. I think it's a lunch bag for fishermen carry oh, beer and stuff in. It's a but giant bass shaped bag. Yeah. My first one was um, a salmon and then I had a trout and then I've had a bass, but I've carried a fish purse since the 80s. Um, and I carry it for lots of reasons. One, a lot of times that the, it, it's, it's just makes people smile without you even yes. trying wherever I go. I always like change, like it, it changes like the environment without even trying. I'll get into an elevator, you know, like this or like, you know, like, uh, I'll walk by, you know, and, people will either tell a story people run have run after me and say where did you get your purse I need to get that purse or someone will say I have to tell you this story so I'm without even trying and like if you want to get all biblical you know Jesus felt filled the world you know fishes and loaves right but this 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 is a world of stories and joy right here and I I tell this story that I wear, I wear it, I walk to work every day and I walk by the schools because I love to see the kids and I love to get excited, especially the little ones. I'm like, I'm a, I know, you, I guess who I am. You know, I'm like, I'm a superhero. <laughs> and one time I was walking to work and I heard this kid yell, I saw her, I saw the fish lady. <laughs> I was like, yes. You're a legend. I'm a unicorn. That's wonderful. <laughs> the fish lady of Queens. 
So that was a seed. That kid didn't realize he was going to scream that at the top of his lungs that day when he woke up. Who knows what he'll go on to be. What would you say to your 13-year-old self? What do you wish you had known? You're enough. Oh, yeah. I don't think I, I still don't. I still should be saying that to myself. We all should. It's really I, easy to get away from that. Yeah. I, you know, and I've had, you know, a lot, we've all, I know we've all had situations where you lose somebody or you get a health scare, you go through something and you have that moment where I know when, when, when you lose someone, all of a sudden, you know, someone you love your, your animal or something and nothing matters except what matters. And, you know, all that other stuff falls away or, and you're in that moment of purity where it's just all that matters is is love i feel like i'm probably oversharing because i haven't really told i haven't told the, the a lot of people in my world this but um i had, um was diagnosed with cancer in 2019 it was found so quickly oh God. um that it just was it happened so fast and um and i was lucky they found it they got it they got rid of it i didn't you know, I had radiation. I didn't have to endure the chemo. There's a lot of people in my life that had a much longer battle and stuff. But I remember when, when it was happening, it was like in slow motion or like, could you come to the office with your husband? And I was like, so this is something out of a movie, you know, and you're going in slow motion and I'm like, she's going to say it. And then I was like, oh, and, and I was kind of in a daze and this is such a weird thing. I was just like, okay, makes hmm. sense. All right. And then I just thought, well, you know what? I'm okay. I feel like every moment of my life, I've followed my heart. And I was so chill the whole time. Cause I was like, my mother. And then, then, you know, here I am now. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm like, Why am, what am I freaking out about? You know? I need to get that. We need to get to that place where it's like, okay, this is where we are right now, you know, and it's so hard to get there. And I wish I could just always just say, you're enough, you know, so, oh my God, I just dropped that bomb. Wow. Yeah, here, the C word, <laughs> not just for cookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it shouldn't be um, life and death for us to get in touch with. Yeah. And and, and focusing on love. And it was interesting too, because I didn't, I chose not to share it publicly. I mean, it was just my husband and my close friends and my family. And, and it was, it was an energy thing because I knew that my mom was like, oh, there's too much light inside of you. It's just, you know, you know, I just didn't have the energy to make everybody okay, you know, and stuff. And I was like, it's going to be fine. So I just felt you know, and energy is really interesting, right? Yeah. One thing I did, the only thing that we didn't yet touch on was your anti-racism work. Oh, I yeah. I don't know that you can like quickly sum that up, but um, yeah, what are you doing? What, how, how is that? And why is that important to you? Oh, it, well, I mean, lucky for me, I'm, you know, Sesame Street is um, really being bold, like, enough is enough, you know, we're, this isn't right, you know, and I'm super grateful that Abby is very, you know, she's like, this is wrong. And 
and it's got to stop and know, you know, and um, part of it is heartbreaking that we even have to have these conversations uh, that we even have to talk about it. A lot of times on Sesame, we let the adults do the heavy, lift the heavy stuff. You know, Abby's been through divorce, you know, (laughs) and she's like, um, I got big feelings. There's a beautiful song. I got big feelings. Um, Paul's editing a song that's coming out. I can't talk about it, but it was like, I believe about believing in yourself and pride and strength. I just feel like we all need to champion one another. And um, it's hard uh, to, you know, I, I just walk my talk. And um, so I'm, I'm really grateful that I can be part of the solution with Sesame yeah. Street, but also part of the solution in my everyday life. And, you know, I think it's a, it's an ongoing conversation yeah. that, that we can have. So I, I don't even know how to, cause it, it gets me so angry sometimes. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I love that you have the platform, but also you're right. Even though some of us don't necessarily have a platform, it doesn't mean there's nothing we can do. And, you know, I struggle as I think so many people do with family members and you know, friend, people in our circle that don't see the problem and don't think it's real. And so it's like, you know, how do you, how do you talk to, how do you speak to that? And um, I say, just keep shining a light on it. Make yeah. see it. Cause yeah. I'm like relentless. And there's like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and just stand up. This is and wrong. Just, and constantly realizing and constantly seeing things. Like I, I just recently was speaking um, with a, a writer about scripts that she was working on, a uh, writer of color. And I was, I was talking about, she needed to see an example of, of a deck. And so I sent her a deck that I had done for a horror film that I, that I have, that I wrote. And as we were speaking, it was partly just seeing it through her eyes. And I realized I've written a horror film that's, about dealing with the legacy of slavery, but it's got a white, it's centered in a white, white, white woman, like a cis white woman is the center of the story. And I just, it like never hit me how, and I was like, oh no, oh no. And I just kind of like, okay, now I Mm -hmm. I have to deal with that. And I had to like sit there and look her in the face and go, I have just, I have just seen this. Like I have just realized this and like, yeah, uh, people will say, why don't you like that movie? I'm like, why? First of all, no women represented that like this way. And then you have a white woman saving a culture that has nothing to do with her culture. You know, it was just yeah. like, I hated it. You know, like it's animation. I don't care yeah, if it's well, animated. Does it make it better? Yeah. <laughs> so and I just realized, I'm like, okay, you know what? I have to go back and rewrite that in a way that, doesn't center the white woman in the story and figure out like how else can I look at this story and how can it be different and you know that's a conversation I wouldn't have even thought to have because the white woman does get punished for her ignorance about slavery so there's that but you know it's 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 still not it's still not the story that the world needs right now yeah and it's just it's just heartbreaking to me because there's so much history missing yeah. Look at hidden figures, you know. I mean, there's just yeah. so much history missing. My friend said to me, you know, I was so upset what happened, you know, a couple weeks back, you know, at the White House. And I just was so I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't, 
it was just, I couldn't shake the anger. And my, my friend of color says, this is how we feel every day. Yeah. You know, this is what we feel every, every, every day. Cause so much has happened, you know, we keep yeah. seeing it more and stuff and you just have to um, rise up yeah. like Michelle Obama. They go yeah. low, we go high, rise up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For me, it's yeah. been, it's just an ongoing education of like, how can I be better and how can I inform myself and you know reading lies my teacher told me like that book was fascinating for me to like learn all the stuff that I hadn't realized about the history of this country and just it really lays it out for you how systemic from the beginning we're horrible and it's just okay and then for me the uh, the real entree was um Anahasi Coates's article uh the case for reparations in, in the Atlantic, which that article just, it makes it so understandable and digestible. And, you know, hey, there was this thing called redlining. Here's how it worked. Here's how the ripple effects of it are still at play. Hey, there was Jim Crow. Here's what that was. And it's just like, and it, it lays it out in a way and you're just like, oh yeah, you can't say that doesn't exist. You can't, you can't. So um, I've, I've sent that article to, to many a family member. Thank you. Crazy. What's next for you? Well, I really have to finish my script that I started in your class. I'm like 60 pages in and I'm writing to like, but I'm trying just to get it out and then not think about all the things I don't know. Like I have no, I want to write a song that has, a, I have a great idea, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I love um, it. Which is totally me. I'm just like, I'm just gonna just get it out and then you know figure out what the well the rules I broke or the things that I you know and just kind of figure it out so we have a lot coming up with Sesame Street and I really want to start a heart skills club like I love to have um and I'm not too sure what that looks like sometimes it's a lolly newsletter where I'll just put some things out and then put some writing prompts in there or some art things to help kids access how they're feeling. But it'd be so great to have like a kind of like a club where we say we want to do something in our community and um, we're going to use these principles, you know, what, what humanity do we want to help? What are, how are we going to educate ourselves around that? What art form are we going to do? Is it going to be a mural? What are our resources and truth? And that's been on my wish list for a long time I have so many things on my list I love it I do and too I, I really want I really miss performing live I really miss cabaret I I love cabaret because it's like I, I never really made it as a stand-up comedian because I didn't like it you know yeah. it just didn't like the environment I didn't like the hours I didn't like the energy no. and it was just gross but cabaret is just such great storytelling and little bits and stuff. And yeah. so I think I just want to get good at storytelling and figure out where I belong um, in that world as a, as a storyteller. I wish I could be like, you know, Jonathan Winters or, <laughs> you know, I would love, I wish that we could fill the gap with Lolly's radio play date. Um, my dream show would be to have um, kind of our, a Prairie home companion or live from here, but it's Aww. just, um, all our different characters and music because we used to do those shows at this um, place that Art House Astoria, this school that I volunteered at, and we had a live band. Lolly had the Red Hot Lemon Heads. Oh my and we God. Had 
people read and tell stories and music. So I just hope. Yeah, that's a big dream. If I, if I had one show that I could pick, it would be, um, Lolly's Radio Playdate. Because couldn't Granny Dot could do I'm Not Old, I'm History, and we can have people on tell their stories. So I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Well, and that's it. Like, because you do all these voices, I don't know why. I shouldn't have assumed. But when you were singing one of the songs you sang in our, one of our table reads, you have a beautiful singing voice. And I was like, oh, oh, wait, she can do the real thing, too. And then all the play funny things. And... And I was just like, oh, I think that's the one I was, that's when I started crying. Oh, I, well, I love big band music and I love, you know, um, I used to sing with a big band when I was in um, LA for a while, my Canterbury's big band orchestra. He heard me sing, I think at my nephew's school and asked me to come and bring my charts and I didn't have any charts. And he's like, well, what songs do you know? And what key? And I'm like, I don't know anything. I just sing and he gave me a, a cassette tape to listen to the songs and he called me up and he goes, listen to these three songs, you know, they're Anita O'Day or whatever, and then come down and sit, stand up and sing. And I'm like, I don't know where, please tell me I come in and he would push me and I'd sing and, um, you know, but he didn't know I was weird. You know, I'd show up in full, you know, forties, like, in a dress and everything, but he had no idea it was a weirdo for like a year. <laughs> I love it. Long live the weirdos. <laughs> you need to rule the world. Leslie, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I so appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spreading your joy to the Hearthside Salon listeners. Thanks. I know I got deep. I exposed something. I think it's part of the story. And it's not I, I feel like if any place that I would tell that story, I would share that with you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Next time on Hearthside Salons. When words fail, images and colors can reach our hearts like nothing else. Images we can wrap around us can be just the comfort our aching hearts need. As fiber artist Liberty Worth says, textiles have an amazing ability to hold memory. Part of her creative output is the work she does with families to create stunning memory quilts from the clothes of a lost loved one. While we reel from a pandemic, Liberty works to help us grieve our losses. We'll talk about the power of family, story, and using your talents for good. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well. <laughs>